Um, we've been uh, in this series called Focus, and we wanted to begin the year uh, trying, to, uh, trying to help us as a community of, of, of followers of Jesus and as individuals make sense of, of the world that we live in where there is so much information and so much uh, vying for our time. We just have so much coming at us, don't we? And it's confusing sometimes, it's, it's maddening sometimes, and so focus uh, was, was an effort to get us concentrating on this little prayer that Jesus taught. And, and I think, and as we, we talked about this, I think this prayer is just a beautiful way in life to find uh, a focus on what's most important and not lose sight on what all the other stuff going on. I think it just brings some clarity. And um, it's a simple prayer. Um, Our Father in heaven, holy or hallowed be your name. May, may your kingdom come and, and may your will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. And God, give us today our daily bread, what we need. Forgive us our debts as, as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but rather deliver us from evil. And then if you have the King James Version of the Bible, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And some are like, that's not in, it's not in the actual text, but they added that. Um, and it's, it's out of the Bible, but um, they kind of added that later. It wasn't in Jesus' original, original prayer. Now, Real quick on this, on this prayer, and then we'll, we're going to jump into today's subject. I, I think today's subject has the power to transform so much about our lives. Every person in this room, none of us exempt from the focus that we have today. But a reminder about this prayer, that this prayer isn't a passive prayer. And a lot of times we think of, of prayer as just passive. Like we uh, find a space, maybe it's chair time, we sit down and we pray, and we just trust that God's going to do something. And there are times that God acts, but this prayer that Jesus teaches is, is, a, is a prayer of commitment and action on the prayer's part. And so we, we do ask God. We, we ask him for what we need. Uh, we, we give him his, his, his space where he belongs. Um, but we do so out of relationship. You remember the first week we talked about this beautiful picture that that he's our father. Like whether or not you know this, like God is your heavenly father and he loves you more than you could ever imagine. And he is just waiting for you to turn back to him. Like he's pursuing you. He's just waiting. And, and that's how Jesus begins the prayer. It's not, a, it's not about religion. It's not about some, some sort of uh, like ceremony to get to God. No, no. Prayer is like you talking to your father who loves you more than you'll ever imagine. That's how it starts. And then you trust him for what you need. You know, give us today our daily bread. You trust him. But then we come to this moment of forgiveness. And uh, I'm going to warn you, it's, it's, it's going to be a little heavy today. Are you okay with that? Okay. I got 20 with me today. Awesome. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, so I was coaching, I think it was my, my, my middle son, Calvin, when he was like in second grade, first or second grade, in basketball. And uh, we were playing at the YMCA uh, down on, on Shea and Scottsdale Road. I don't know if you guys have ever been there. It's called the Junior Sons Program. Everybody's on the Suns. It's awesome. 
um, good program. And at this age, like first and second grade, you can actually coach on the, on the court. So you're kind of on the court and you're kind of back and forth. They give you a lot of leeway. And then they put all the parents on the opposite side, all lined up against the, the wall. If, if you've been there, you kind of know um, what I'm talking about. It's noisy in the gym and craziness going on when you think of all these kids. So we're in the middle of the game and we're playing a team that has obviously played basketball longer than we've played basketball. Um, in fact, like when I signed up to be a coach, I, I signed Ch- uh, Calvin up by himself. And usually when you do that, they put all the kids on your team that have never played basketball before. It's a terrible mistake to make. If you're a dad, just a little side note, never sign up by yourself. Like get a team together and go sign up. So I've got all these kids that have never played and we're playing this team that um, like they're competing for nationals or something like that. And, um, we're learning how to dribble a basketball. Their coach has taught them how to leverage their bodies and box out. I mean, it's just a different game. And so we're in the middle of the game, and we're just getting crushed. And, and, and for me, I have three priorities when it comes to coaching. Have fun, learn the fundamentals, and have good sportman, sportsmanship. I mean, it's just simple. That's just like what we do. So we're in the middle of the game. We're getting crushed. It doesn't matter. We're just trying to have fun. And um, all of a sudden, second half, on the other side of the court, a dad stands up, a dad of a kid on my team, and he yells at his son and says, son, if he pushes you again, I want you to punch him. <laughs> now, he says it loud enough where like everybody in the gym hears him. And I'm on the court, and I, and I kind of look at the dad, and it's like this stunned moment, you know, like you have... Did he just say that out loud to his son in the middle of a game? He did. And, um, and so I blow, blow the whistle and stop everything. And, and I said, whoa. Okay, time out. Sir, I know you love your son, and I know this team's better than us, and, uh, but, but we don't play basketball that way. Like, that's not what we're going to teach our kids. And so you're, I'm going to have your son sit down for a little while and just make sure we've got cool heads and all that. And so I kind of walked through that moment. And then I got to thinking, like, isn't that our natural reaction in life? Now, I know we're, we're adults and we cover it up in other ways. But isn't that our natural reaction? Be honest. You're in church. Like, God's watching what you say right now. <laughs> isn't, isn't, that, isn't that our natural reaction? When someone hurts us, our first instinct is to go back at them. And it might not be with fists, it might not be physically, but, but we want to get back at the people who have hurt us. It's just natural to us. And here Jesus is calling us for a radical way of living. Uh, Bruxy is one of my favorite pastors. He's, in, he's, he's from Canada, Toronto, um, but he's still okay. And um, just kidding. You can send me an email later if you're from Canada. Um, I, I love how he paints this picture. He says this that we were created by relationship for relationship. And what he's saying is a very theological statement that we as Christians believe in one God, yet that one God is found in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so God's essence is relationship. And as a, as, as a, as a, as a God of relationship, he created us with that same need wired into each one of us. We all need relationships with other people. Now, I'm an introvert. 
How many introverts do we have in the room? Introverts unite. Yes, and half of you didn't raise your hands because you don't want people to look at you. Um, I'm an introvert, and, and there are times I just need to be alone. And you know what I mean. Like, like introverts, if you spend too much time in this kind of a setting, you're like, I just got to go home and like, be by myself and read a book or whatever we like to do. I could stare at a wall, and it's okay. Um, but even the most extreme introverts have been wired for relationship. We all need it. We were created by relationship for relationship. And another way to think about this is we were created by love, God. His essence is love for love. Like we need to feel loved and to be loved and to love other people. That's, that's who we are as humans. It's, it's probably our most basic need. But the problem is what? Us. Yes, you can say us. We're the problem. Like, we make it all messy. Like, we mess up relationships, don't we? Don't nudge your husbands right now. I mean, we, we, we mess it up. I mean, we, as humans, we hurt other people, and we are hurt deeply by other people, aren't we? And, and when that happens, we, we do some things. We, we isolate ourselves. We, we might seek revenge, but we, we kind of begin to pull back a little bit and keep people at an arm's, arm's length. We have a tough time with relationships even though it's the thing that we most need. Deep within us, we need relationship. Um, so what do we do when we've been hurt? And uh, I think I've, uh, through the years, kind of tracked through this. I hear this from other people. When, when we've been hurt by others, um, a lot of times we simply retaliate and seek revenge. I mean, that's kind of our first reaction. We, we, we just quickly want to get back at them, and we do that in so many different ways. Um, sometimes we just stew on it. Now, I don't think this is a southern phrase. I'm from Alabama. Do you guys know what that means, stew on it? You get that? Okay, good. So we, we just let it simmer inside of us. And we just let it, you know, we just kind of chew on it again and again and again. When we do this, we become bitter people because it just begins to eat our heart. Kind of eat, eats away at our ability to, to, to love. Uh, when we just retaliate, we become hateful people. When our first instinct and, and what we do is just go after them, we become hateful. Um, we can repress it. Have you ever done this? Like someone's hurt you and you just are like, I'm just going to ignore it like it never really was there. And when we do that, we become actually hypocrites. Now, this word hypocrite is an interesting word. Um, sometimes translation is difficult. But in the Bible, when it talks about a hypocrite, it's actually talking about a play actor, someone who wears a mask. And here's what I mean by this is when we simply repress the things that have happened to us, hoping that everything will just smooth itself out over time, we're, we're actually picking up a mask and putting it on, and we're not being true to what's going on deep within us. Does that make sense? We become hypocrites when we just repress things. I, I've told you um, many times before, you know, my parents divorced when I was in high school, and um, like those three things at the top, like, I lived in that world. You, you know, as a kid, you, you don't know how to, to, to like, hurt adults. You, you feel like a, a younger, you know, so you know what I did to hurt my parents? Now, you're going to think I'm a terrible person. I made a decision that for a few years, when my parents told me that they loved me, that I would not tell them I loved them. And so every time we were on the phone or... Matt, be careful, we love you, I would just say okay. 
I, I never responded with any verbal love towards my parents. And that was, that was, as a kid, that was my only way that I knew that I could hurt my parents. And I knew it hurt them. And it was me retaliating because I felt like they had hurt me deeply in the decisions that they had made. Um, I stewed on it. I became bitter. Uh, I, I repressed a lot of it. I poured myself into football. And now, I was, a, I was a high schooler when all that happened. We do this as adults, don't we? I mean, just be honest. Don't, don't we do this when it comes to, to, to things that have hurt us? And they scar us deeply. And the Jesus way, I mean, when Jesus comes and begins teaching, he begins teaching about the kingdom of God, which is a completely different way of living. It's upside down. It's difficult. It's, it's the hard way. Sometimes it's the most painful way. And, and he says uh, one of the marks of a follower of Jesus is the ability to forgive. To forgive. And when we're hurt, that's the last thing we want to do, isn't it? It's to forgive. So, so I want to dig into this, this idea of forgiveness. And, and like I said, this might stir up some things. Um, might be a little painful. Um, but we, we can go there for a little bit this morning, right? Jesus, it was so important, he put it into this daily prayer. Um, later in the book of Matthew, he speaks directly about forgiveness. And uh, if you have your Bibles, it's found in Matthew chapter 18. Uh, I'm going to read through most of it, but then I'm going to let you read some at, at, at home on your own and, and just spend some time in it. Just some context. Um, Jesus is talking specifically about what, what we do when conflict arises. So Jesus spends some time on, on conflict management. Isn't that good? Like we should read the Bible. There's some like good stuff in here. Uh, like what do you do when, when, when conflict happens in life? And Jesus says, hey, if, if somebody hurts you, if somebody sins against you, he actually uses that word sins, but it means if somebody hurts you, if does something against you, um, uh, go to them and, and tell them. Be honest. Hey, that hurt me. And if they ignore you or if they don't listen, then bring, bring a witness with you. Bring someone respectable with you to talk to them. And, and if they still don't listen, then bring somebody else. Like continue to try to work towards reconciliation because relationship is so important. Jesus is like, work towards reconciliation as much as you can. And so um, after this conversation about conflict management and what we do when people hurt us, Peter stands up and he, and he says to Jesus, um, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Now, this is what we often do, isn't it? Um, hey, Jesus, is this going to be on the test? Like, I, if it is, I want to know how many times I need to do this. And, you know, and, and then um, Peter says, uh, seven times? Now, there's some, like, nerdy biblical humor in here, like seven is the number of completeness, and so uh, Peter's kind of saying seven times, which would make me a complete spiritual person, is that, you know, he's kind of like puffing himself up, like seven times, like it's a math deal, like forgiveness is a math deal, one, two, three, four, five, you have two more times, and then I'm coming after you, just so you know, uh, six, seven, game's on, you know, and, and we're after him, and, and Jesus, you know, I, I don't know if he laughed or Sometimes I picture Jesus laughing at our questions. Um, he says, no, not seven times, Peter. Seventy-seven times. Seventy-seven times. Which means it's not a math game at all. Like 77 times 
if somebody hurts you, you're to forgive them. Now, time out. We're going to talk about what forgiveness actually is, which is really important because a lot of us has, have misconceptions on what forgiveness is. So we're going to get there. But Jesus says 77 times. Now, okay, some of you will want to drift off here for a second. Uh, what Jesus, what, one of the things that Jesus often does is he points to other stories in Scripture by how he teaches. And what he's doing right here is he's pointing to a story in Genesis chapter 4. Uh, these two numbers are used in Genesis chapter 4. You guys remember Cain in the Bible? So um, Adam and Eve had two kids, Cain and Abel. Cain killed Abel, and Cain moved into the city. And what we find is in this, this scene... Um, we find what happens when humans are left to themselves. And it's all about destruction and the strongest will survive. And Lamech is one of uh, Cain's like uh, kids or grandkids. And Lamech begins like killing people who mess with him. And he's like proud about this. And then he writes this, this note and he says, he says, may anyone who kills Cain seven times revenge upon him. But anybody who kills me, 77 times revenge upon that person. And what Jesus is doing, I think, in a brilliant way, is he's saying the natural human inclination is to seek revenge. Seven times, 77 times, as many times as you come after me, I'm coming after you. And Jesus is flipping the script. He's turning it upside down and he's saying, no, 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 not revenge. It doesn't matter how many times. Forgive. 77 times. And Jesus has given us this picture. I think by pointing back to Genesis, he's given us this picture of what happens when left to ourselves and what happens when we choose the kingdom way. Two very different things. Um, so he continues. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. So imagine a king, he's loaned out all this money, and he's going to call his accounts to date. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. Now, imagine in the first century how much millions of dollars was. It's like he's saying he owed him kajillion dollars. It's like not even like measurable. He owed him a kajillion dollars. Uh, he couldn't pay. The man couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife and children and everything he owned to pay the debt. This was a very common practice in the first century where if you couldn't pay your debt, you were sold to work for other people until your debt was paid. That's just part of what happened in the first century. But, when the, um, but the man fell down before the master and he begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay every bit of it. A kajillion dollars. I will pay you every bit of a kajillion dollars. His master was filled compa with compassion for him, and he released him and forgave his debt. Now, when Jesus tells stories like this, he always tucks God in there. Now, who do you think God is in this story? The king, who was owed a kajillion dollars, and he forgave the man who owed him a kajillion dollars. I like using the word kajillion, sorry. But when the man left the king who had just forgiven him, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. Now, don't miss the differences here. A kajillion to a few thousand. He grabbed him by the throat. 
I mean, look at the picture Jesus is painting. He grabbed him by the throat because we want revenge as human beings. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little bit more time. And he used the same language that this man used before the king. Please be patient with me, and I will pay every bit of it, he pleaded. But the man wouldn't wait. And he had the man arrested and put in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Now catch the irony of this. If a man is in prison, what can't he do? Make any money to repay a debt. I think this is a subtle little picture that Jesus is painting about what happens when we refuse to forgive people. We put them in prison in a way that they'll never be able to repay what we think they owe us. I think it's just a subtle little picture that Jesus kind of tucks in here. Throw him into prison where he can make no money and, and pay no one back. And that'll fix it. I mean, forgiveness for Jesus is of utmost importance for his followers of Jesus, for those who want to follow him. Forgiveness is something we have to choose to do, as difficult as it may be. Now, like I said, a lot of confusion. What is forgiveness? Here's what forgiveness is not. I'll start with that. How about? Forgiveness is not uh, ignoring or forgetting. Have you ever heard this, this phrase, forgive and forget? You've heard it before. Yeah, it's not biblical. It's, it's, that's not from the Bible. Listen, uh, I heard a pastor once say this. Uh, if we could forget, there would be no need to forgive. Because we forget, and we start fresh every day, and there's no need for forgiveness because everything's new every day, and roses everywhere. Forgiveness is not ignoring or forgetting. It's not condoning or excusing either. It's not saying, what you have done to me is okay. It's not condoning that action. Uh, It's not tolerating continual abuse or pain. Now, time out real quick. Um, I think... Uh, in, in our world, where uh, light is being kind of poured onto to situations where abuse has been taking place, and um, listen, if you are in an abusive relationship and you're a follower of Jesus, and so you, like, you're, you're thinking, like, I'm forgiving, and so that's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is not tolerating some sort of continual abuse that you're just going to take because you're a Christian. Like that is not at all what Jesus had in mind when he talks about forgiveness. Like get away. Let us help you get away from that continual like cycle of abuse. It's not healthy. Um, And it's not forgiveness. Forgiveness is not a release from the consequences either. Forgiveness is not saying to someone, hey, I forgive you. I mean, you hurt my child. I forgive you. And now can you keep my child again while I go down to the store? Well, no, it's not, it's not releasing. There's always going to be consequences that take time to rebuild. And forgiveness is not reconciliation. Sometimes we think, hey, if I forgive somebody, it means that we're back into the same kind of relationship we were in before. That is not biblical either. Reconciliation between two people takes how many people? Two, yeah, not a trick question. Two, right? And forgiveness is just one side of the equation. Like someone saying, I forgive you, 
is not this resetting of the relationship. It's simply one person saying, I'm going to do my part to take a step toward reconciliation, which is the goal eventually. So what is forgiveness? If this isn't forgiveness, forgiveness is giving up our desire and sometimes our right to retaliate or seek revenge. It's a conscious decision to say, and this is one reason I love the translation debt, when it says forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's, it's a conscious decision to say, I'm not going to make you pay what I think you owe me. Like I'm going to consciously give up my desire, maybe my right to retaliate or seek revenge. It's changing our attitude toward the offender. Now think about the king who forgave the man his debt. It, it talked about a, a, a feeling that he had or something that went on inside of him. He had what for that man? Compassion. Forgiveness is, is, is choosing in our minds and in our hearts to begin to feel compassion for someone rather than hatred or bitterness towards that person. It, it, it's a resetting internally of some things, but not externally of that relationship yet. Uh, Forgiveness is one step towards reconciliation, but again, it's not, it's not the full bit of reconciliation. It, it, it's going to take some time, if ever possible. Sometimes reconciliation is a lifelong struggle that we never get to. And then forgiveness is relational. It's not just an internal practice that we do. So the goal in Scripture for Christians, for followers of Jesus... Is, is reconciliation between people, which is a relational thing. And sometimes I think we, in our minds, we think I forgive them, and we never take that next step of, of, of telling them, of sitting with them and saying, I just, I, I need to let you know. Um, this has been really hard for me. You, you hurt me years ago. And I want you to know, I, like, I forgive you for that. And... And I don't want to demand any kind of payment or I'm not going to seek revenge. I just need to let you know. Now, reconciliation and true relationship would require that person to then say, oh, my gosh, I had no idea that I hurt you that way. Or I realize the great pain that I caused. And, and I want to do everything I can to walk towards a healthy relationship from this point forward. Now, that takes two people. And, and sometimes the forgiveness comes on one side, and it never happens on the other side. But Jesus says it's, it's the way toward life and healthy life. Um, I was having a conversation with somebody after the first service, and one of the questions that often comes up, and I mentioned this in the first service, is, like, if I keep thinking about it, does it mean I haven't really forgiven somebody? Like, if it keeps... Like, I feel like I've, I've forgiven them, I've, but I keep thinking about it. Like, it keeps popping up day after day. Does it mean I haven't forgiven them? And is there something wrong with me spiritually? Um, I don't know who said this, but um, someone, someone painted the picture that, that forgiveness is more like farming than it is architecture. Like, architecture, you build a building and you're done. And many of us want that in forgiveness. Like, I forgive you, we're reconciled, we're done. But the truth is, relationship... Forgiveness, reconciliation, it's like farming. It's like this continual, like day after day, working the soil, watering the soil. And there'll be seasons when it goes away, and 
It's easy, and there'll be other seasons where something comes up. You know, there's weeds that kind of sprout up, and that's part of being human, and we pull them out again, you know, and, and choose forgiveness in our minds. It doesn't mean that you haven't forgiven them or that you've got something wrong with you spiritually. It's just the human part of what's going on within us. Um, this week, um, last two weeks, really, I've, I've been watching some of the just horrendous coverage um, or not, co- the coverage hasn't been horrendous, but the story of uh, the Olympic, the doctor, Larry Nasser and MSU and all of that. And um, it's just unthinkable how something like this could take place. And at the end of the trial, many of you watched and you saw this, each of the girls got to stand in front of, of Nasser and speak to him. And the last girl who spoke her words um, were so, I thought, were so incredibly powerful and a picture of the gospel. And she kind of began that with this this thought that when when we find ourselves devastated, it's often there that we'll find God's grace where it doesn't, you know, where we don't think it belongs or we don't deserve it. And so she's like talking about this idea that to him she's saying, like sometimes it's at your low that that's where you'll find God's grace. And, uh, and then she says this. Um, she says, I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt. Now, I don't think she says this out of hatred or retaliation. Like, listen, listen to, like, her train of thought here. I pray you experience the soul-crushing weight of guilt so that you may someday experience true repentance and true forgiveness from God. I think this is a beautiful picture of, of what forgiveness is. Like, he still has consequences to pay. It's not like letting him off the hook. It's not forgetting. I mean, she's going to deal with this her whole life. Um, I want you to experience the guilt so that you can experience true forgiveness from God first, um, which you need far more than forgiveness from me, though I extend that to you as well. I mean, can you imagine standing in front of you that, that via person that violated you in those ways and being able to say, I'll extend to you forgiveness. I'll change my mind. I will not demand restitution between me and you. You have consequences to pay. That's part of it. Um, But I'll have compassion on you. And what I hope for you is that you come face to face with your deepest, darkest self so that you can come face to face with God. That's a beautiful picture. Not easy, painful, but it's a beautiful picture. And um, as I thought about that and thought about this, this topic of forgiveness, I, I found myself thinking that there are times I feel like what I owe God is like thousands. And yet what other people owe me is kajillions. Like I reverse the equation in my mind sometimes. Have you ever done that? And I think I found myself like staring face to face yet again at the realization of how broken I am and how much I need God's forgiveness in my life. I mean, do you realize? Do you realize how broken we are? Do you realize how much we hurt one another? The kind of pain. I mean, you look at the brokenness in our world, and we like to point and say it's their fault, but it's our fault as humans. It, it's all of us that contribute 
to the chaos we see in our world. And, and I hope, as your pastor, I hope you, I hope I, I hope we come face to face with the weight of our own brokenness so that we can find God's grace and his goodness where we don't expect it, so that in turn, we can forgive others that have hurt us. I mean, I love how Jesus ties it together. Forgive us, we're asking God, forgive us as we forgive, as we forgive. Forgive, and it's a daily prayer, remember? Um, Give us today our daily bread. This is a daily prayer Jesus wants us to pray. Forgive us, God, as you give us the strength to forgive those around us. Sometimes I wish this was a passive prayer. Forgive us, God, and deliver us from evil. Like, do all of that, and I'm going to be good. But no, 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 he's saying, forgive us as we, as I am called to forgive those around me. The way of Jesus is not the easy way. It's not the natural way. But it is the only way to find, experience, true love and relationship, which is what we're all looking for at the end of the day. Uh, We're going to sing one last song, and uh, as we do, uh, we want to give you some space just to respond to God. We do this every week, and um, there's a cross right here, some paper and pens, and um, maybe as I've been talking, um, uh, you've had a name. Like, Maybe as I've been talking, you, you completely tuned me out, which is okay, but there's just been this name that's like, oh my gosh. She hurt me. He hurt me. And it's been 15 years, and I'm still as angry today. And, and I believe God wants to give you freedom from that. And it's not easy, and it's not magic. It's a, it's a tough journey, but maybe just writing that name down and bringing it to the cross and just saying, God, I need help forgiving this person. Or maybe for you, uh, a name has popped up and you've realized, I, I think I really hurt that person and I've never taken the step of reconciliation. And uh, maybe you need to write down the name of somebody that you need to seek forgiveness. Like, come and put that on the cross. In the back of the room are candles, and light in the Bible represents God's presence. And so um, maybe today you, you, you came in just feeling completely empty. And, and I believe um, with everything that I am that God wants you to know that he's with you. So light a candle and ask God to be with you, his presence to fill you and, and, and walk with you through your week. Um, there's communion around the room. There's a station here and a couple stations back here. Um, maybe today you you need to be reminded of God's great love for you and his forgiveness for you maybe you've been living under guilt and uh, you you need to take communion and be reminded that, that God has forgiven all things and it might be some work for you to do relationally with someone else but but in God's eyes 
because of Christ, you've been set free. So, so maybe for you, you want to take communion and um, hold on to that promise. Uh, let's, let's stand as we start, and we're going to sing. Um, also in the back corner of the room, back in the cave, um, there'll be a prayer team. If you just want someone to pray over you today, just make your way back there, and someone will pray, pray with you and for you. God, um, all of us in this room have been hurt by other people, and all of us in this room uh, have hurt other people. And Jesus gives us a better way. It's not about repression, just stuffing things. It's not about becoming bitter and just doing it. It's, it's not about retaliation. It's about forgiveness, which is a step towards reconciliation. Father God, forgive us as we also forgive those around us. In Jesus' name. This, uh, this topic is so important to Jesus in a couple different places in the Gospels. Um, he, he actually says that if you're in worship, like if you're in a moment of worship and something comes to mind, like you've offended somebody, like leave worship. Like, like go to that person. That's how important it is. Go to that person and, and take a step of reconciliation. Or, if, or another place in, in the Gospels, he says, if you're in worship and you realize that you've been holding a grudge, that you haven't forgiven somebody, that you need to forgive, leave worship and go to that person and release them from what you've been holding on to. Let them out of prison. I mean, that's how important forgiveness is. And it changes everything if we can learn to go the difficult Jesus route of forgiveness. May you this week, may you rest in the great love of a heavenly Father, the freedom that he gives us through Jesus Christ. Like, may, may you not just know that, may you realize it and lean into it this week. And as you are forgiven, may you also freely forgive. Let people out of prison. Let, let them go. Have compassion on them. Freely share what God has given you. And then live in the grace and the hope and the joy and the love that only God's kingdom has. Listen, our world desperately needs it, doesn't it? Well, let's be the change agents. Let's be the one who bring the change into the world. So go in his love, go in his grace. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.